When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're live right now. We're live. I don't believe you. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and beautiful, beautiful mullets. I'm Joel Bracken on Twitter, I'm at WVStatsGuy, and I'm joined as always by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. What's going on, Jordan? I'm doing great, man. It's hard to believe episode seven already, which means that we're, what, like three weeks away from Pitt. So yeah, flying high. I'm, I'm all the way in. I'm juiced. Yeah, a little fall in the air this week. Yep. Um, you know, get get the highlights back out, get the, you know dust off all of the the tape and you got to find your favorite jersey and everything again it's it's almost game time dude i went down a uh, i went down a youtube uh country roads rabbit hole this week so you know i listened to probably like 37 different versions of country roads <laughs> uh, <laughs> this week so yeah no i'm i'm it's yeah yeah it's fall camp football's in the air it's it's go time any any good v- versions we need to consider or um any atrociously i'm sure there's some really bad there's renditions. there's some bad ones there's a couple a uh, couple really like good kind of bluegrassy ones if you're into mm-hmm. bluegrass you can find some good bluegrassy versions of it on there um also found a really really good instrumental version um where it was just kind of one guy laying down a track where he's playing a guitar and then he played a fiddle over top of it and the fiddle was absolutely fire so um, yeah, found a couple where, you know, tears come to the eyes three weeks before game start. And, and you oh, know, yeah. that's that's when you know that you care. So, yeah, I'll tell you, Simple Gifts is the one that gets me when they play that yeah. like right before the game. That 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 one gets me ready to roll. Um, yeah, I've been in the YouTube rabbit hole of the, the 2021 highlights. Like, you know, you hit that top 100 plays. You hit that, like, you know, season in review, you know. Uh, just just watching football on the TV again get you excited. I know there's like NFL preseason if that's your uh, cup of tea. So all kinds of good stuff going on. Um, yeah. So tonight on the pod, I guess a little bit shorter of an episode. We're just covering one team because we only have one team left on the schedule, and it's Oklahoma State. Um, 
So we will be deep diving on them. But first, we got to do a little run the hill. Um, and this week, not I mean, you know, we have some 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 stuff coming out of camp, but um, no, like groundbreaking news. So I thought we'd do a little fun. Uh, got a couple trivia questions for you, Jordan. Um, see, see how well you knew the Big 12 last year. I'm going to put the over under at one and a half of these correct. I've got you four questions. Oh, shit. Okay. So are you are you are you prepared to run this? I, uh, I thought I was. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> all right. So they, they are multiple choice. So okay. first question I'm going to ask you, these, these are all in the Big 12. So in the Big 12 last year, which quarterback do you think had the highest completion percentage? Do you think it was Caleb Williams? Do you think it was Spencer Sanders or do you think it was Jarrett Deggie? Uh, so I know it wasn't Sanders because we're deep diving him, in, deep diving them this week, and I can tell you that he completed sixty one point two percent of his or sixty two point one percent of his passes last year. I, actually, I'd go see Deggy. You would be correct. Yeah, Deggy sixty four point six percent completion. Uh, Scale of Williams was sixty four point two. Spencer Sanders, yeah, kind of a good segue to when we talk about him in a little bit. Uh, just down at sixty two percent. I think a lot to be desired there. Um, but you know, I was surprised to see Deggy above those guys. So uh, that was an interesting it's one. A, it's a shame that so many of that uh, 36% incomplete were uh, so horrendously incomplete or, or intercepted. I they, think they that, were, that was that was the problem last year. <laughs> they, they were quite incomplete. They were very um, incomplete, yeah. <laughs> also, of those completions, how many were like within negative uh, five to five yards of the line of scrimmage? Because that, uh, you know, that, that can pad that stat a little bit too. Um, yep. Okay, so cool. Number two here, yards after contact. Which player do you think had the most yards after contact last year in the Big 12? Do you think it was Abram Smith out of Baylor? Do you think it was Deuce Vaughn? Or do you think it was Bijan Robinson? That's a good question. Um, we've done all these guys already. I know that uh, Bijan and Deuce are both in the mid three somewhere. I want to say Abram Smith. I'm going to say Abram Smith. It is Abram Smith. And if you would have asked me this, I would have confidently said Bijan Robinson. Um, so I, I was a little surprised there. Yeah, Bijan coming in after and then Deuce Vaughn following. Um, so two for two, man. I didn't. Okay. I didn't make congrats the question. To everybody, hard enough. congrats to everybody who hammered that that over one point five. Uh, Hammer the over. You can double <laughs> down. You can double down because we have one more difficult question left. Okay. Um, And that question is, so last year in the Big 12, there were only two receivers who had more than four drops, um, and they played for the same team. Which team was that? Was it Kansas? Was it Oklahoma State? Or was it West Virginia? Hmm. Uh, We'll say say West Virginia. That's probably what I would have said, or no. Kansas. And it's actually Oklahoma State. Okay. Tay Martin had 10 drops last year. Like I said, no one in the Big 12 had more than four, except for Tay Martin with 10 and Brennan Presley with seven. Um, Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. So not helping out your guy, Spencer Sanders, at all. Some scrubs uh, out here, yeah. That, that's actually probably hurting the, the completion percentage. Um, so last question for you. Uh, which of the following teams failed to beat Kansas at home last year? Was it Coastal Carolina? Was it Duke? Or was it the University of Texas? Can I can I phone a friend? Do I get any lifelines? Here? Yeah, you get one lifeline here, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to phone a friend. Uh, I'm going to call Joel. 
Um, ring, ring, uh, Joel, uh, I got a question here. I think it's Texas. Is it a team that lost to Kansas at home last year? Does that sound right? That, that, that does sound correct to me. Okay. So Texas, <laughs> the university of Texas did lose to Kansas at, at home. Um, the, Carolina and Duke did not. They, did they, beat not, they did not. Yeah. They, yeah. The, uh, the number one overall in the coaches poll receiving vote, receiving Texas Longhorns just <laughs> fresh off of. Fresh off of a, a loss to Kansas. Yeah. Did, yeah. Have you seen those graphics where like college college football teams or, you know, I guess the more like the social media department, they make those graphics where they kind of skew stats and make big things bold and whatever. Did you see the one somebody made about Texas and where it was like one first place vote? <laughs> but if they had like first place vote or whatever here it is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they made it look yeah, made it look like a big deal. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy uh skewed data graph yeah uh, stuff. There's there's some good stuff on good like uh subreddit stuff about that that I'll that I'll dig into every now and then. Oh yeah. Well you did a great job on the hill. That's three out of four. Thanks, um, man. So very well done. And uh yeah, I had a little bit of Oklahoma State segue into there. So you wanna give us a little uh pokes 2021 review for sure yeah so oklahoma state uh, a very good team last year um in case you know anybody who stumbled upon this pod didn't watch them uh absolutely kick the kick the hell out of us um and what was that the middle of october um but yeah so oklahoma state finished 12 and 2 um went to the big 12 title game where they lost to baylor on that goal line stand um, which we've talked about. It was an absolutely fantastic game. But they did go on and rally, and they beat Notre Dame 37-35 in the Fiesta Bowl. So, um, yeah, just a just a great year for Oklahoma State last year. Um, kind of flipped the script on what they were um, kind of in the middle of the 2010s when, you know, very high-flying offense, maybe a little suspect on defense. Um, last year, Probably below average offensively. I know definitely if you look at it in terms of, uh, you know, uh, EPA, um, some of the yards per play stuff, uh, you know, not very good offensively, but it didn't matter because I think outside of Georgia and Alabama, they probably had the best defense in the country. Um, just, you know, we'll get we'll get into it a little bit. But I mean, these guys absolutely kicked everybody's asses up front. Um, you know, especially the front six, uh, you know, I think they led the country tackles for loss, led the country in sacks, led the country in pressures generated per game. Um, you know, just havoc absolutely everywhere. Uh, and, and that defense, you know, I guess to the offense's credit, they didn't step on the defense's toes, right? They, the defense went out there and, and won games for them and the offense didn't turn the ball over or, you know, do anything stupid to ruin that. So, um, yeah, so very good, uh, very good uh, twenty twenty one. Do you have anything to uh, to toss in there? Yeah, so so Jordan and I both like to golf. We were talking golf before the pod tonight, and you know this this reminds me of like what everyone says in golf. It's like, man, when I'm driving well, I can't putt, and then when the short game's on fire, I can't hit an approach shot. Yep. Of all the years, Oklahoma State would have like a below average offense. Their defense is like top three in the country, yep. um, which has got to be pretty frustrating. Offense was like average to below i mean for p5 it was kind of like a little below average defense was absolutely stellar um you know like i said top three and pretty much everything across um, the board yeah across the board and you know this team was so close to a lot more um they lost to iowa state by three they lost to baylor by like an extra long fingernail 
And um, yeah, this, this season, and then, you know, they beat Baylor early in the season by 10. So they were just like one break away from being in the college football playoff. Um, and then, you know, this is just how college sports work. Like if you're, re- if you're top five on either side of the ball, you just need to be okay on the other side. And they would have, you know, they would have run through the big 12, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Gundy has a beautiful mullet right now. And you know, he just keeps this in rolling. Like they, uh, he's had a winning season every year since his second year at Oklahoma state. This will be his 18th year. So all he does is win. And, uh, yeah, he's proven he can do it multiple ways. Like I said, I just feel like Oklahoma state, like, man, of all the years, our offense has been so potent. You just wish you had an average one last year. And this thing could have been so, so special for them. Yeah, man. Yeah. Gundy and you know, the program in general, I think, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a school that you think up there, think of up there with maybe that, that top, uh, seven or eight nationally but yeah if you if you look over the last when did gundy get there like 2006 2007 sometime um since then you know there there aren't 10 programs in america who have been more successful than them just i I think in terms of um you know total wins wins per season like all that kind of stuff so um yeah they have it rolling uh and you know that's kind of that's reflected in uh in in some of their uh the numbers out of vegas uh this year so they're plus 10,000 to win the national championship which isn't uh, great, but plus 300 to win 10 plus games. That's one of the better numbers in the big 12 um, plus 600 to win the conference itself uh, over under 8.5, which is as good of a number as there is in the conference this year. You know, we've kind of talked about how we, how we expect the top of the conference to be wide open, but they're, they're certainly one of the teams that Vegas sees is in there with a, with a shot again, you know, to, if not win it, at least make a return trip to the big 12 title game. Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely have a shot as, as good as anyone in this conference um, and, and in the top flight. Yeah, for historical backing there. So, um, like I said, Gundy's had a winning season every year other than his first at OK State. And if you throw out that first, he's had a 10-win season in seven of the 16. So almost half That's of the seasons good, yeah. are 10 wins. So eight and a half is an enticing number. I mean, they're always hitting seven. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously some turnover in the coaching staff you lose. Uh, Jim Knowles, which is like a bummer because, like I said, this defense was was absolutely elite last year. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they have some turnover, but can they keep the same rolling? Are they still going to be on the top half of the conference? I, I definitely think so. Yeah, I think I think some crazy stuff would have to happen for them not to be one of the one of the three or four best teams. Um, you know, we kind of a, a theme uh, at the most important position uh, quarterback, you know, has been tons of new starters, right? Either folks who were, were maybe part-time starters last year or people who are starting, who were, who were transfers, you know, coming from a different school last year, Oklahoma state has Spencer Sanders. Right. And you have to say that, I mean, he's the best, best returning quarterback in the, uh, in the conference, um, has been a little bit up and down throughout his career. Um, you know, completion percentages are generally pretty low. Like you said, a lot of drops last year. Well, actually, in, in between you saying that and, and right now, I looked it up. His adjusted completions was seventy five percent last year, so hmm. um, definitely looks a little bit stronger there. Um, th- so, kind of my note about uh, Spencer Sanders is I don't think that he's an elite QB talent necessarily. Like, um, you know, the way that you would think of uh, Bryce Young or, or, or CJ Stroud, but I do think he's an elite game manager. Um, he's like the best version of a college game manager, right? Where, you know, he's a threat in the design run game. Um, he's had some, he's had some inconsistencies with, with turnovers, but last year he cut his turnover worthy play rate in half. 
Um, didn't didn't fumble it as much last year. So like when you when you think of you know guys who are going to go out there like 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 I said, yeah, he's a game manager. He he contributes to the running game. He doesn't mess things up in the passing game. Um, just a really solid player, I think. Um, and you know that's when your defense is as good as theirs were. That's all you can ask for out of your quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, game manager gets like a terrible rep. It's like a, you know, it's like a a bad thing to call a quarterback. Yeah. If you're designing an offense and a quarterback, yeah, you want to be high flying and fun and score a million points. But like this team's strength was by far on the defense. And like in pretty much every game all season, he did what he had to do to win. Like he wasn't expected to go out and win the game. Um, And then versus Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, which, like I said, they were still an outreach ball away from winning. Um, He had four picks and two fumbles. So that, that, there it was, you know, he, he got broken there and um, that yep. cost him the game. But, you know, one or two of those turnovers less and um, can still win the game. Their defense was that good. So I think Spencer Sanders is an interesting case of like how many teams in the Big 12 would would swap for him right now? Like if you could, um, would you swap for JT Daniels for Spencer Sanders? Like you kind of know what you're getting with Spencer Sanders for the most part. He did take a good step up last year from his previous year. Maybe he takes another small step up this year. Um, people hate on Spencer Sanders a lot, but like I'd say more than half of the conference would probably take him over the quarterback they have now, like at least around half. Um, it's, half you know, for sure. Yeah. JT Daniels is, that's a sticky question, man. That's a floor know. ceiling yeah, kind yeah, of question. Yeah, yeah, right? Where it's like, exactly, you know what you're getting with Spencer, but like in my head, the idea that I have of JT is maybe better than what Spencer Sanders has been. But again, who knows? If JT's as good as WVU Twitter tells me he is, then like no way. But like if right. he's as if he's as good as Pitt fans tell me he is, and uh, you know just random random people from <laughs> USC or whatever, like you know it's one of those things where um, pretty much we talk about this, but pretty much every quarterback in the Big Twelve, you know, you're looking at across the board, a lot of new faces. Um, this is the most sure thing any team has. For um, sure. Like, like, yeah, Quinn Ewers probably has a higher upside, but you, do you know what you're getting out of him this year? You, you just don't know. So, you know, Spencer Sanders did what he had to do last year. Like I said, he was he was fine. Uh, they weren't winning games on offense, but they weren't losing them on offense very often. And, you know, they didn't get blown out or anything in any game. So um, you do have like that solid contribution coming back. Um, you know, unfortunately, you don't have Jalen Warren coming back uh, at the running back position. So he had the most carries last year. Um, but your second most attempted rusher uh, was Spencer Sanders. So you do keep continuity kind of there in the, the running game too. Um, just that dual threat really helps. So I imagine Dominic Richardson's going to be the new lead back. Is that what you were seeing as well? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was seeing. Um, and so, you know, he's he's not a, not an entirely new face, right? I mean, he had 81 carries, 372 yards last year, 4.6 a carry, um, 3.5 yards after contact. So... I don't know. I, you know, I think the 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 read on him, like Jalen Warren was just a sledgehammer, right? Just one cut. And, you know, he maybe wasn't going to break a home run, but the dude was going to get five yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would kind of be what they're looking for out of Richardson, you know, just like a standard one cut and go, put your head down, get what's there, and then we'll line up again and do it, uh, do it the next time. Um, you know, so I think as far as that goes, he's going to fit that, that mold. Um, in terms of, of what they've had at running back over the last couple of years. I think my concern with that um, would be that, you know, there, there are fewer targets outside. 
Uh, you know, like you said, they, they had Tay Martin last year, had some drops. He's gone. So that's 118 targets. That's 80 catches, 1,046 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, that's not there. Um, and that's the second consecutive year that's happened, right? Where they had um, Tylen Wallace was was the dude before that, and he left. Mm-hmm. So you, you're losing, um, you know, NFL caliber receiver uh, two two straight years. Um, there are some dudes back in the slot, but in terms of filling the void on the outside, I don't know. I, I you know, it looks like it's going to be Jaden Bray and Rashad Owens, who both, you know, I, 25 plus targets last year. They were okay, but I don't know if they can step up and be that high volume. You know throw this guy the ball a hundred times or, you know, a hundred times and good things are going to happen. Um, what do you, what are you seeing at the wide receivers? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that they have, like you said, throw them, throw it a hundred times, uh, maybe Brennan Presley, but um, so yeah, last year, 50% of the, almost 50% of their targets were either Martin or Presley. Mm-hmm. So that's just a, a massive, you know, um, massive kind of contribution just from two guys. So you just kind of have a, a lot of other stragglers coming in afterwards Um the one thing I saw on Presley was he only caught 50 of his 80 targets, uh, which is pretty low for someone to get targeted 80 times. Um, so you definitely, you know, hope the drops pick up there for him. Um, they also loved using Warren in the in the pass game. So he had the third, he was coming in at third most targets. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to see Dominic Richardson getting getting utilized in the pass game. Um, I know they had another running back, Jackson DeAndre. DeAndre the, Jackson, uh, yeah. Yeah, DeAndre Jackson. Yeah. So via, you know, Texas A&M and also Nebraska. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe you're going to see some more contributions of that. But yeah, when I'm looking at the receiving room, it's just there's a lot of guys who've been there um, who I'm not sure which one's going to step up. And yeah, Oklahoma State always tends to have like, you know, one great receiver. Uh, maybe one to keep an eye on is Talon Shetron. Um, he is a freshman, uh, but he's a four star guy. Six foot three, played track or played basketball, ran track, played football. Um, you know, he could be the mold of of all these receivers we see through Oklahoma State every other year. It feels like, um, but yeah, you're definitely going to need somebody to step up and, and fill a little bit of a void from Tay Martin because you know that's just a massive loss. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I think we we've seen over the last couple of years that it's you can have the pieces, but if you don't have that one dude, um, if you don't have that alpha dog, uh, sometimes that can inhibit things from coming together maybe the way that you would you would think that they would on paper because i mean they do they have they have a lot of really good looking players in the slot presley's a slot guy they have bryson green john paul richardson um brayden johnson i think was a starter last year and then got hurt so you know a lot of a lot of targets there but yeah if 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 none of these guys emerge on the outside um you know i i think that kind of limits the ceiling of the room a little bit yeah for sure yeah you you're gonna need somebody to step up i mean when you're kind of looking at this offense as a whole um you know big obviously a big loss in the the running back and receiver like the main guys there um moving to the offensive line you know you yep. do lose i think two of your top three guys for sure and josh Sills and uh cole birmingham so uh you know i think just like a natural amount of turnover here on the offense this offense you know has plenty of room to be better than they were last year i think um i think probably the best guy you have on your offensive line is hunter woodyard um so I'm not sure uh, the offensive line is is the strength. It wasn't really a strength. It was kind of just around conference average last year. Like they weren't overly impressive in any specific numbers. Um, so you're going to need to plug in some new guys and, and and get some production. I think Tyrone Weber was the one transfer I saw coming in. Um, yeah, he was a Ju- JUCO guy. Um, had had a pretty good offer list. Um, so I expect him. I think he was a four star, like a four star JUCO. So I expect him to be pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and so that's going to be their left guard. Like you said, Woodard is going to be their right guard. Uh, Preston Wilson is the other returnee. Had a 66 grade at tackle last year. It looks like he's playing center now, though. So, um, so at least you're looking at the interior of that line and and saying, I like the way that it looks. Um, tackle is a little shaky. Um, one of them is going to be Jake Springfield, who who didn't grade out very well last year on 500 plus snaps. The other one, Caleb Etienne, graded graded out really poorly, but only played 37 snaps. So who knows that that's just like a a sample size kind of thing. Um, you know, I. It's, 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 uh, it's tricky, um, just in terms of, of thinking, you know, I don't think they were trying to be all that crazy dominant, um, in terms of rushing the football last year, uh, like putting up big numbers, right? I mean, they only averaged 4.2 yards per carry, but without, without looking at the, the negative play numbers or anything like that, they could get that 4.2 yards anytime they wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Josh Sills on the inside, Cole Birmingham. Like you, you had some very good players. So it was like a solid offensive line. And and I guess my question would be is with these new starters is. And the lack of the lack of, uh, you know, maybe a, a, at this point, a target who who seems like it's going to emerge on the outside is your offense last year is built around getting, you know, four to four and a half yards of carry. Like, are you going to be able to do that against everybody this year? You know, especially against the top half of the conference. Um, that would be my question with with the offense is, um, you know, is what they did last year is who they were last year going to work this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've, we've covered it pretty thoroughly. Lots of good interior defensive lines in this conference. Yep. So I don't know, you know, can you bully people around with that? But yeah, I mean, I think last year this offense just all, all in all was, was kind of underwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is the weakest offense in terms beta rank says this is the weakest offense at Oklahoma state in the last seven years. Like I said, it's one of those things. It's just like, man, if our offense was just okay last year, that's a big deal. Yep. Um, they had them at 43rd in effective rush, 51st in effective pass. Um, yeah, so just kind of just kind of eh. This year, I mean, I don't have a hot take that they're going to be much better or much worse. Um, you know, the only guy on the offense that was on the All-Big 12 team is Spencer Sanders, and I think it's – who else would it be? Because he's like the only yeah. guy who came back. So, um yeah, I mean, you hope you get more consistency out of Spencer Sanders um, and, and he just continues to mature. Like I said, he did take a significant step um, from his first year to last. So, you know, even if you get a small step again, he could definitely be on the top half of quarterbacks in this league. I mean, I think safely in the top half. But, um, you know, like I said, how many how many schools would trade for Spencer Sanders? Um, you see a lot of hate for him, but uh, I think you, you more or less know what you're going to get out of them. And if you can craft an offense that can be steady and productive around that, um, that's just fine because, um, you know, last year the defense was the anchor. Uh, I guess good segue into the defense here. So, you know, kind of w- what are you getting back in this defense? You lose so many studs, um, but you still have a lot of studs coming back. I mean, this defense was deep and everybody was good. Um, <laughs> just reading this off. So, yeah, Georgia and Alabama were the only better defenses in terms of in beta rank. PFF said only Georgia and Wisconsin were better. Um, PFF said they were fourth in the nation in run defense, sixth in the nation in coverage. Uh, beta rank had them third in the nation explosive drives, third in negative p- drives, third in play efficiency, second in effective rush, 10 in effective pass. Those are all so national good. stats. Yeah, so good. Um, just, I mean, they were the, the word I would use when they played West Virginia was just smothering. Um, they yeah. were 
you know, they were jamming the receivers at the line. There was no time to throw. There were no holes to run. Like they just sat on you. And, it was uh, a it was a miserable experience being at that game. I'm not gonna lie, like it was just absolutely the first drive of the game. We broke like a 60 yard play, and then I don't think that I cheered again for the next hour. You know, next uh, 55 plus minutes of game time. I did I didn't stand up again. <laughs> it was one of those things. I think about three drives into the game, yeah. you realized that there was no um, <laughs> legitimate chance of us moving the ball other than like a gadget trick play or like yeah, some you know break like br- busted coverage or something yeah daggy was like daggy's just like staring at the defensive line um yeah no it was it was not a not a fun time yeah daggy um, was seeing ghosts that day and i mean like yeah there was nothing and it was crazy because i think if i remember correctly i was like 24 to 3 was the final and it was weird because our defense played pretty well against their dude, offense it was, like it was a slugfest they just it was 10 to 3 late in the third quarter and then uh we fumbled we fumbled a, you know it's like we got to stop and then fumbled a punt on our own like 14 and they went in and punched yeah. it punched it in and that was and the uh was, the, the furthest that. You, that was the furthest you've ever felt away when it was 10 to 3 and you're like we have no chance of scoring it's like we, we have less than 100 <laughs> total yards of offense like we need like a blocked punt touchdown or something, <laughs> something it's like yeah. our best is our is our best offense today because yeah like i said just long story short this defense was unbelievable last year um looking at what they return i mean you lose you know mainly the linebacking core you lose you lose some studs but you look at the defensive line and uh i think pretty much all of your guys or most of your guys are coming back which absolutely absurd number of pressures brock martin had 49 colin oliver at 40 tyler lacy at 37 um all in i mean those, those are insane numbers their defensive line looks nasty i mean they look Dude, they probably go, the best in the conference. If if you oh, I think so. Yeah, no. If you if you look at the, just at their depth chart on our lads, it, they go four deep at every position <laughs> on the defensive line. Yeah, it's just like they got sixteen of these mfers uh, just chomping at the bit. I'm you know I'm sure like you know some of these other teams we've looked at, they only like they're too deep is literally too deep. Oklahoma mm-hmm. State's too deep is four deep. You know on on the defensive line so. Um, I think, you know, the, the big losses up front for them, uh, Jalen Jernigan, really good player for them last year. Um, and Israel Antoine who, uh, you know, maybe not quite as good, but still, you know, a, a very solid above average player. Um, and so that, you know, those are two big pieces on the inside that, you know, I, I, I think, um, they could miss, like you said, you know, Lacey, Martin, Oliver, everybody off the edge is, is coming back. Um, they still have Brennan Evers on the inside, who was really good last year as well. Um, I just wonder if maybe that interior rotation is is a half a step back from what it was last year. Um, you know, where I mean, Jernigan from an interior pass rushing position had 19 pressures last year, so um, <laughs> you know that that kind of production is pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think you know you lose those two guys, you bring back the other six who played 200 plus snaps last year. Um, plus, you know, everybody else who, who, who's there, right? Like, I, you know, I think they're, they're still going to be nasty up front. Like you said, I think it's probably, well, shit, we can say confidently now we've done every other team in the conference. This is the best defensive line in the conference, I think. Yeah. I felt, you know, when we were looking at Kansas state last week, you know, it was like really, you know, their edge rush is great. And then you look at Oklahoma state and it's like, dude, like 
They've got three guys as good as as yeah. uh, Anna, Anna DK Uzoma. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and man, crazy. it just really just highlights to me. I think we've said it a couple times, but like when you look at the all big 12 list and you look at some of the linebackers, you're like, huh, that guy made it. When you look at the defensive lines and some of some of these teams, you're like, Oklahoma State only got one guy on the all all media team. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Colin Oliver. Like, OK, so like Brock Martin didn't even get on there. Tyler Lacey had 37 pressures. He doesn't get a nod like. And yeah, you have like several guys underneath them who very, very productive. Um, You know, one thing I I just kind of want to bring up is, you know, I talked about Jim Knowles leaving the the D.C. Uh, He went to Ohio State. He's the new defensive coordinator there. Uh, So he'd been in Oklahoma State for four years. And one thing I do really like is Derek Mason coming in as the defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was a longtime Vandy head coach. But last year he was the defensive coordinator at Auburn, a one year stint. And. Auburn last year was number 10 in beta rank defense. So like that's very encouraging for Oklahoma state. You had a guy come in one year, have a top 10 defense. Um, You you know, I think that that lends well to stepping in this initial year with, you know, some missing pieces, but a lot of talent. Like you have so much talent on this defense and he stepped right in, got it done. Um, So I think you feel really good about that. Um, I I mean, that's just a huge add at at DC for Oklahoma state. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the it's you know aside from from having that productive year at Auburn, um, the fit should be good, right? Oklahoma State was the highest percentage of man coverage in the conference last year. Um, Auburn was, I think, second or third in the you know in the SEC. Um, so he does like he he had success last year doing exactly what Oklahoma State did. So like you mm-hmm. said, there's there's talent here. He's going to come in and have some ideas about what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You know, we'll get to the secondary. The biggest, the biggest red flag for me on this defense about maybe not being a top three defense in the country this year, maybe being a top twenty defense. Which, who knows uh, how that who how that impacts them? But you lose, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez. You lose Devin Harper. Um, they were the best tandem in the in the league last year at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, both played eight hundred plus snaps, so they were both on the field for the entire season. Um, Sixty five combined pressures, eleven combined sacks. Um, which is tremendous for these. I mean, these dudes aren't edge rushing linebackers. These are off ball, middle, middle linebacker, weak side linebacker. Um, that's tremendous pass rushing pressure, pass rushing productivity from, from off ball linebackers, 217 combined tackles, 108 combined stops. Um, so these, do, you know, I think they both ran under four or five at the combine. Both of these dudes got drafted. Um, both of them are going to be, you know, not just making rosters, but playing on Sundays this year. And I, have some concerns about the two guys who are going to be stepping into their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you, you know, one of them is going to be right now. And so this is just going off the depth charts that we have. Right. But Mason Cobb. Um, so Mason Cobb was the worst graded player on the defense last year. Um, had a 36.4 on 79 snaps. Um, and, you know, limited sample size, obviously, because those other two dudes were playing so much, but among uh, players who played more than 75 snaps in FBS last year, he had the worst. He had a 60% missed tackle rate, um, which was worst among linebackers and fourth worst overall in FBS last year. Um, allowed a completions on 100% of the passes he was targeted on. So, you know, not quite NFL draft material just based on that. Um, and then the other guy is going to be Xavier Benson, who was decent at Texas Tech uh, in 2019, um, but he hasn't played for two seasons. And so you're going from literally the best linebacker tandem in the conference 
two dudes who got drafted to that. And, you know, again, the front's going to be amazing, but those two guys played a huge role in everything that they did, just in their ability, you know, not only to provide pass rushing pressure, but to cover people, to run sideline to sideline and make tackles. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I'm curious to see how that, how that impacts them. Yeah, those are all really great points. Um, you know, last year it felt like Oklahoma State had like 13 dudes on the field yeah. in defense. Yeah. And you you run a 4-2-5, but your linebackers feel like there's three of them and your D-line feels like there's six of them. Um, so, yeah, like you're still going to have tremendous strength in the defensive line. But, yeah, definitely a glaring hole. I mean, just completely unproven linebacking core. Um, yep. Based on, yeah, like you said, definitely the best tandem in the league last year. Um, so that's definitely the soft spot in the defense. Mm -hmm. Um, you also lose some guys in the secondary, but I mean, you still keep some talent. So I like the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. You lose both starting corners. Um, Jabbar Muhammad and Corey black are going to be stepping in. And yeah, if you're, you you know, you lose your starting corners, you feel bad about it. These guys graded out great last year. Um, in the snaps that they took. So, you know, I think these guys are going to be, be fit to, to sort of fill in the roles, um, in terms of the safeties, um, you lose two of your three, uh, but Jason Taylor's coming back and he was tremendous. He's on the all big 12 team preseason. Um, so still a ton of talent. Like, yeah, you get your normal amount of turnover. Like this is college football. You, your roster flips every four or five years. Yeah. Um, you know, you lose guys, whatever it happens, but the guys who are filling in, in the, in the efforts that they had last year were, were really solid. So um, I think they're going to be just fine in the secondary again. Yeah, I, I feel okay. I mean, you, you literally you lose four four-year starters slash contributors. But like you said, like the guys they bring back, actually the one guy you didn't mention, Kendall Daniels, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> bit of an unknown, redshirted last year, but he's a 6'4", 205-pound safety, which really tickles my fancy um, <laughs> as a guy who likes tall safeties. Um, he was a four-star recruit uh, the year before last Um and I don't know, you know, I did a, I did a little bit of uh, a little bit of deep diving on him, and I think that, you know, an unknown, but an unknown who's probably going to come in and and be pretty good right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, in general, I don't know about their depth. Um, I think that's that's the one thing that that maybe you're concerned about, just with the number of high quality guys that they lost. But in terms of the first wave of dudes who are going to be out there, like if they can stay healthy and if they're able to play a high percentage of the snaps, then I think they're going to be just fine in the secondary. If not. Yeah. Probably, but probably better than just fine. They're going to be good. They're going to yeah. be good again. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to compare against last year when, like, we talked about this. Is a top. This was a top three defense. Like, they're still going to be really good. They're going to be good. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, looking at this defense as a whole, this is still one of the best units, if not the best unit, in the conference. Mm-hmm. Are they top three in the country? I kind of don't think top three, but could they be top twenty, top fifteen, top ten? You know. Can they be pretty, pretty solid? And can the offense be average? Okay. A little bit above average. And then you probably still get the same production as last year. And like we said, they were three points and a outreach away from 13 and zero. Um, so I think Oklahoma state's got to feel good. Um, yeah. Gundy at the helm, like you, you feel solid. The floor is pretty high. I think with that, I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to go out and go six and six, like worst case yeah. eight wins, maybe. Um, you know, I, I think well, depending on what their non-con looks like, but um, it's it's appetizing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do you want to get into that? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's no no problems at all. Um, 
in terms of the schedule, man, I was looking at this and so central Michigan to open, uh, in Stillwater, that should be a pretty casual, uh, a pretty casual win. Um, then you come, you have Arizona state coming in to Stillwater the following Saturday. So I think that's a win. Then you have Arkansas Pine Bluff. So, I mean, I think you're looking at, I'd give them an 80% chance, maybe high and maybe a 90% chance to be three and O coming out of, out of conference. Mm-hmm. But you're getting Baylor at Baylor to open, to open conference play first Saturday of October. And so, you know, that's, that's tricky. Um, you almost because, get three weeks to prep for that, though. You get yeah Arkansas Pine Bluff, so bye week, <laughs> and then basically, and then a real bye week. So you know, yeah, that's definitely gonna be their first test. Yep. Um, but so I mean, you you get past Baylor, and I think you cruise. If you can get past Baylor, then you're cruising to six and zero because you have Texas Tech and then TCU coming. And I think I feel good about Oklahoma State against both of them. You have Texas, but you have you get them at home on homecoming. Um. And so, you know, I'd say that's a 60-40, 70-30 Oklahoma State kind of deal, unless unless Texas really does blow up this year, which, I mean, who knows. At Kansas State, like, I mean, it's eight and a half, and we haven't even gotten to Kansas yet, you know, and we're already t- – and I'm saying they're one, two, three, four, five, six with Kansas. I, I, I mean, I've – yeah, eight, eight minimum – Eight mm-hmm. minimum. Um, just go find one of the one and of just, the top and few just, ones and just beat you know yeah beat one of Oklahoma or Texas or Baylor. Yeah, I mean, I feel like eight and a half has been a recurring number we've seen with like that yep. top flight of teams. So it's really like, and we'll I guess get into this next week on the the betting extravaganza. But like, um, yeah, it's just like you got to make your picks now. Like who who's you know of this top four? And I really do feel, you know, Kansas State, we've talked about them kind of being maybe an inside outside, you know, are they a dark horse? Are they a contender in this conference? But I think most people agree, including the coaches poll, that it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor. Yep. Are your four um that at least have some separation, at least like that's what most people are agreeing upon. Um so, you know, just recapping to when we did our tiers, we made Texas and um Baylor. Yep. Were the wouldn't be surprised if they make it, and then we gave Oklahoma, the Oklahoma schools the inside track as the like quote unquote favorites. Um, how has your perception, I guess, changed? Is that of that? Is that you feel like they're all just a cluster, and we don't know? Do you feel like anybody has any any lean of a favoritism for you? Um, yeah, no, no. I mean, so kind of as we've just hit my hand on. Sorry about that noise. Um. No, yeah, I, I I think the the further we've gone, the more I do feel like it's going to be kind of a cluster. You know, I don't know if there really should be a favorite among those top four, um, maybe even top five uh, mm-hmm. schools. If you want to throw Kansas State in there, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you like? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think of that cluster of four. The one I'm not as excited about is actually Texas. Yeah. Um, I think you don't know what you're getting in quarterback yet. I mean, the talent oozes, but even this week we've heard lots of injuries news. Um, they lost a fifth year offensive lineman uh, to a, a quote, serious knee injury. Um, Isaiah Nior had a serious knee injury. Roshan Johnson got hurt. This was all this week. Um, Aggie Hall yeah. got told to leave practice or suspended or something. Yeah. So, so I mean, two, like that's two of their three transfer receivers right there. Yeah, so I, I think Texas, I was already a little 
wavering on. I feel like lots of bad news here to kind of start fall camp for them. So um, I would cluster, you know, I think of those other three teams, Oklahoma, it's Oklahoma. It's hard to say it hasn't happened until it doesn't. Oklahoma State um, and Baylor were in the championship last year. Both like very solid head coaches. Everyone, everyone agrees upon that. Um, I think the floor is higher for those three teams than than maybe for Texas. So, sure, um, I, I might cluster those three just as in a like throw a dart at the board to pick your games for those. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, what, so. you, you know what's crazy is uh, so we did Oklahoma, and uh, you know we've we've done we've done every team now, um, and I do think that they are going to take a very real and tangible step backwards this year. And they still might be the best team in the conference because everybody else is doing the same thing. You know, there's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, I'd say it's fair to put those three um, Texas. Yeah. Texas already fading, you know, they, they, the coaches poll comes out they're they're top 15, top 20 or whatever. And then now they're talking about, well, maybe Quinn Ewers isn't even starting and, uh, no, Hudson Card apparently putting up a fight for. The, I mean, he's out awesome. there balling. Well, the, the the guy was Quinn Ewers the year before Quinn Ewers came out, right? So, like, yeah. why, is, is anybody? Um, Quinn I don't Ewers know. is old news, man. Like, it's Manning now. I mean, just to to be completely generic, I think the the top of the conference is wide open. Like, mm-hmm. literally, it's wide open. Um, there is not a single team in the conference where at the top of the conference, you know, there are a lot of teams where it's like, Oh man, look at that defensive line or, Oh man, they're secondary or, Oh man, they're wide receivers. Every single one of them also has a, yeah, but you know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like, man, look at Oklahoma state's defense. Yeah. But they lost maybe their two best players on the whole defense. Um, the two linebackers. Um, Oh man, look at Oklahoma's offense. Yeah. But look at their, look at their defense. Their pass rush is just decimated, you know, man, mm-hmm. Baylor, look at that offensive and defensive line. Yeah. But, um, they lost the defensive player of the year and, you know, maybe the best off ball linebacker in the league last year, you know? So, um, there's, there's not, there's not a clear front runner. There's not a team that you can't shoot holes in, you know, I like, mm-hmm. there's not an invincible team in the conference this year. Every single team with the exception of Kansas and maybe Texas tech can probably beat any other team on a given Saturday. If shit you know, if things bounce a certain way. Um, yeah, I agree. And, and yeah, I think, which I don't think anyone had Oklahoma state is going to be a top three defense last year in the preseason, but in the preseason look, I don't think there's any offense or defense in this league. That is like, that's a top five in, in the country. And like Oklahoma was always like, but their defense, but their offense was top five every year. There's not that unit. So, yeah, it's it's really going to come down to the margins. Are you are you top ten or are you top thirty? Um, can you be good on both sides of the ball? Are so, you taking care of the ball? Yeah. You know, are you good on special teams? Like that's the shit that's going to matter this year. I feel like. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm super excited. I love the beginning of football season because it's college football season. There's so much optimism. Everyone's in it, and the first couple weeks. Um, I mean, a lot of non-conference. Obviously, West Virginia is playing some very important games, but. The first like two to three weeks of Big 12 conference play are going to be so fun because you really, you know, there's going to be some measure sticks. Like we talked about Baylor, Oklahoma State. That's their Big 12 opener. Like that's going to be that that could be a game that decides who goes to like the championship right there. Like that could be a tiebreaker game. Um, So, yeah, really just hashing out some of these where you feel like you have this clump of teams at the top. 
um, it's going to be really fun to sort it out and see see what's what. Who's going to separate themselves? Yeah, no, I can't, dude. I can't, can't fucking wait. I don't know if it's because we're doing these deep dives and I'm as plugged in as I've ever been. I feel like I'm always as plugged in on West Virginia, but in terms of the people we're playing, um, I'm not. And so I don't know if it's just that or what, but like, I feel super, like I'm ready. Like, I feel like I know what's going on. Like, you know, I got my finger on the pulse of the whole conference right now. Yeah. And obviously if, uh, if you're listening to this pod, like you're getting informed, we've done a deep dive on every WVU opponent. So, um, all these episodes you can go back and yeah, I mean, sports are just more fun when you know what's going on. You know, some of the storylines, you know, you know, who the guys are, what to look for, especially we're only two weeks away from doing the pit preview, but um, if you're going to the pit game, you might want to know, you know, when you're at a live game, it's harder to sort of keep up with people and numbers and who's what. So, um, you know, kind of getting prepared for that might make the experience a little more fun. Um, so, yeah, super exciting stuff. Um, so in terms of West by Pod, what we're doing next week is the WVU deep dive. So that is handling your West Virginia Mountaineers. And uh, also going to do some betting picks at the end. Um, I imagine we'll do some some fun prop stuff, some over-unders on the Big 12 teams. After that, uh, the, the following week is the pit preview. So um, get geared up. It's a Thursday night game. So, um, you know, that one will come early in the week. Get it, get the preview out and, and get excited. Jordan and I will both be in uh, Pittsburgh that night. So uh, going to be super fun. Get college oh. football. West Basically the first boots game. on the ground, baby. Yeah, we give you boots on the ground. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do a live pod from from the, from the stadium. I don't know if we'll be doing, <laughs> but you might, you might need a translator for that one. <laughs> yeah, yes, correct. <laughs> awesome, um, cool. So anything else you want to chip in on Oak State, Jordan? Nothing on Oak State, man. I'd say just ahead of next week. If if you guys have any fun uh, fun props that you're thinking of uh, that you want us to weigh in on, shoot them our way. You know. Uh, JT Daniels over 3,500 pounds, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, if you just have some number you want to throw out that, that you want us to talk about, just shoot it to the Twitter or in the comments section of our, um, of our uh, smoking musket article. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll answer. Yeah. Now give us some fun props um, and, uh, and things to, uh, to work on there. So actually I did do a poll on Twitter today on the, the West by pod Twitter account. And I asked our followers, um, does Oklahoma State get back to the Big 12 championship this season? And a pretty split vote. Uh, 54% said no. 46% said yes. So um, I think that just aligns. If you think there's a clump of four teams, yep, they got to be in the top two, right around 50-50. So, um, yeah. So, like I said, we'll uh, we'll get this thing rolling next week. And, uh, yeah, send any fun props or anything you want to know about West Virginia, really, specifically. Um any player position, you know, battles or groups you want us to, to highlight. Um, be excited to, to talk some West Virginia. And uh, yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be it. We'll know all of our opponents and uh, ourselves pretty well and uh, be ready to, to roll for the season. So that wraps it up, I think, for tonight. Um, I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. He's Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Hit us up on Twitter at WestbyPod with underscores. Hit us up on smokingmusket.com. And uh, yeah, it's almost football season. It's almost football season. Catch you guys next week. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.